This time on No Not The Mind Probe, episode number 46, Life on Mars. Welcome to No Not The Mind Probe. Hmm. It's, it's my birthday. So I was doing oh, my birthday. Well, some yeah, happy birthday. Version. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Um, uh, it's a birthday and a podcast uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever, which I actually do on my birthday. I just watch everyone. <laughs> wow. It's like a, like a reset to sort of, you know, a palette. Do you do that yeah. thing? Because there's so many of them. Do you do that thing where you watch them on like double time speed, but you must have to watch them on like 10x speed? Yeah. Yeah. But if you get, well, if you set up, if you set up uh, seven different computers, you can simultaneously watch seven doctors at once. Or, so it's yeah, sort of like going a, classic. Oh, it's like a it. clockwork orange situation, but you're just doing it to your yourself yeah right, purposely exactly, exactly and anyone who happens to be there uh, oh by the way who are you <laughs> i'm john grant oh okay and i am a lifelong and that life has just gotten longer i mean i guess it gets longer every day but it's really it's mark we're marking it as getting longer now i'm a lifelong doctor who fan i've been watching it for 36 years and my name is porter mason john's been asking me to watch doctor who for 24 years and one year ago mm. shortly uh shortly over a year ago i finally yeah. said yes Wow. Each episode of this podcast, we look at two stories. We're going through the the modern Doctor Who series in order. And our Doctor Who curator slash sommelier, John, who, whom you just met, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. will find a pairing with a classic Doctor story. John, what do we have in store for us this episode? Ah, well, this episode, we headed to the Red Planet. Uh, it's a Mars theme, as you can tell from the, the title of the program uh, or the podcast. Yeah, you know, that thing we're doing. Uh, we start off with uh, the um, uh, penultimate special, I guess, of the David Tennant special years uh, this or year. This is uh, the Water of Mars, um, a very gripping story involving water and Mars, so cleverly. <laughs> All right, what, it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> right there. Right yeah. there. Uh, and then uh, we've paired that with another visit, or visit from Mars, actually. Uh, the third Dr. Liz unit story, and this is this completes the Liz set for this podcast. So, yeah. Robert, you can go back and you can you can listen to our our, our episodes describing Liz in order uh, and get the whole Liz tale uh, about the ambassadors of death. All right, let's recap those episodes uh we're gonna start with the the new who or the waters of mars this is the autumn special is this the only autumn special they ever had i mean or i guess so any? i mean there's there's no uh there's no uk holiday like we have thanksgiving this would this would be a natural fit for a thanksgiving yeah uh, thing you know because you when you when you sit down with your relatives and watch a bunch of people get murdered uh the garfield thanksgiving, thanksgiving special yeah. or yeah, this that that happened in the garfield thanksgiving special that one where they all <laughs> <Yes>. killed. <laughs> actually you <laughs> joke but one of the garfield i believe was it Christmas or Thanksgiving? They went to um, some sort of an island reminiscent of Hawaii or Fiji. And in a pretty racist set of scenes, <laughs> they end up with some natives like throwing people into volcanoes and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I believe there might have even been bones in noses. Oh, my. Possible. Was normal thrown into a volcano? Because I feel uh, like that'd be it's possible. The awesome that desired. Yeah. 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 Well, we this about? is story. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the waters of Mars. That is story number 201. It aired on the 15th of November. So you're right. Just before Thanksgiving in 2009. It's one episode, but it's 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 extra long. What were they? What did they call those Seinfeld and Friends of supersized episodes? Supersized. Like yeah. Yeah. 62 minutes. 
Um, and we have a little clip here, John, Exciting that we little clip. put together. Put on we'll, your seatbelts, folks. What's that? Mia! Take this seat and fix that thing. Yori! Welcome to Emergency Oxygen. Adelaide, don't just sit there. That's better. The dome's still got integrity. It's 10 feet of steel combination made in Liverpool. Magnificent workmanship. It can't be stopped. Don't die with us. No, because someone told me just recently, they said I was going to die. They said he will knock four times, and I think I know what that means, and it doesn't mean right here, right now. Because I don't hear anyone knocking. Do you? Three knocks is all you're getting. Water and electricity. Bad mix. Now then, what else have we got? But there's no way to fight them. Heat. They use water, so we can use heat. What's against the ice warriors? What's against the flood? Ramp up the environment controls and steam them. But you said we die. For the future, for the human race. Yes, because there are laws. There are laws of time. And once upon a time, there were people in charge of those laws, but they died. They all died. Do you know who that leaves? Me! It's taken me all these years to realize the laws of time are mine. And they will obey me! Oh, mm. wow. An intense David Tennant performance. Yeah. Most of the episode shouting. People. Yeah. <laughs> He's sort of uh, having a bit of a nervous breakdown this entire episode yeah um so he he's still kind of moping and kicking around space and time again walking down streets and kicking cans and rose. have his shoulders hunched over Miss, rose. Miss rose. she's with another <laughs> dimensional version of myself <laughs> um companionless mm-hmm. lacking companion and john has told us what happens when he lacks a companion he gets bad it's it bad. does get bad mm-hmm. it, and it certainly gets not as fun like he's not fun he's not having a good time yeah. no he's not so he he ends up and i actually don't remember why he ends up here but he ends up at this sort of famous historical moment for perhaps the universe but definitely earth which is this is humanity's first colony they made a base on mars which is actually called called this episode life on mars but this is actually that they named the base after bowie david base? bowie yeah. bowie base one yeah and so he must I have do- just died around then right like when did he die is he dead <laughs> David Bowie? Yeah. No. Dead? Yes, he's, he's not dead. dead. I think he's dead. David Bowie is David, dead. if you're not dead, call him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 2016. Okay, yeah. Well, well anyway, that. but you well that we, Bowie fans. Seven <laughs> years before he died, but yes. No, um so why did he end? Why did the doctor end up at this base? Is is that said? Uh, like, just doing some wandering, I think. He's just wandering. Getting, okay. He's checking on Mars every once in a while. No, he's kind of a, he's and again, part of this is that we he seems quieter because we don't get the doctor's inner monologue as much because there's no one for him to tell anything right. to. Yeah. So he kind of thinks out loud on occasion in this episode, but he ends up at this important moment in history. He's kind of interested in it. So he knows all the people who are already they're like celebrities. They're famous. Uh, he this is a famous moment in time. And uh, what he's finding out is that or sorry, the moment in t- part of this moment in time is. Um, or part of the history of these people is that the base explodes and everyone dies. This is the first human colony, but there's a tragedy and everyone dies and they're, you know, they're sort of heroes or, or sort of like the challenger for years to come. They're just no But it's a that, mystery. They don't know what happened. Right. They no one knows exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the woman in charge, her granddaughter ultimately um, is inspired by her grandmother's story and goes on to explore the stars and sounds like has a big effect in in the world so goes to the first i think next galaxy or something right right yeah yeah. so and and what he talks about more as the episode goes on 
this is a very important moment in time. And he speaks to it and he's speaking to it here where he tries to fight against this. But he is aware uh, very early on that this isn't something he can change. The The right. fact that these people explode, the the fact that this this happens, he can't change that. And he talks a lot about it being, quote, a fixed point in time. Which I believe he's mentioned. I mean, Jack is a fixed point in time, right? So yeah, well, Jack, something weird, but yes, he, he's well, definitely. Anyway. It, we've been getting more and more establishing that yeah. he can tell when he can change things and we can't change. Things. Right, right, this right. This is definitely one where he can't change. Things. But as he goes on in this, so he re- he says this right away and is sort of like, oh well, so I <laughs> better get out of here. Like, there's no, you know, a it might explode at any moment, and b like I can't do anything. There's nothing to do here. But he keeps being compelled by the crew, particularly the captain, to help. And what happens pretty early on is uh, we some some stuff goes down in the um, not I was going to say in the botany, but botany is the study of plants in the <laughs> greenhouse, the, the greenhouse. conservatory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, Matt Damon room, the Matt Damon potato room. And here's where I feel like I'm going to summarize this really quick. Uh, basically, there's a alien virus that. Uh, turns them into infects them through water and turns them almost into water and it's basically very reminiscent of our modern times of like it is impossible to contain this virus they're like oh no it's absolutely sealed there's no way in water finds a way in water finds a way this virus basically slowly is taking over the whole crew the doctor sees where this is going we're like oh my gosh they had to explode uh this base and and everything in it including themselves to prevent this from getting back to earth because the virus takes them over like a zombie and is essentially trying to get to earth because there's lots of delicious water on earth lots of good water and uh, so the doctor briefly tries to find a way around this. It's impossible. <laughs> um, they explode themselves. And then at the very end, we do hear um, the the Ood uh, telling him again that uh, he's he's going to die. Um, or no, he asks Ood if it's time to die and, and the Ood disappears and then he goes. Well, wait, you, you've missed. He, well, he comes the... back and uh, he's, he's, he's leaving. The ship blows up, but there's still a few of them there, and he, he can't resist it. And he turns around and comes back, and he rescues them, and he brings three of the crew back, including Adelaide, remember? And then uh, she, he gets all crazy. Crazy, yeah, crazy, uh, crazy town banana pants, uh, as they say. Oh, and then and then she kills herself, right? And she's like, "I can do anything. I'm in charge, and I can make time. It's mine." And and then she's like, "Oh yeah, pew!" And, uh, right, and right. Oh, I I'm can't. sorry. Yeah, he, yeah. he tried in trying to defy the fixed point in time. Basically, he uh, and this is I feel like a common thing in some other time travel things where it's like you can sort of change some things, but there's ultimately something that has to happen. And in this case, Adelaide's death. You know, this just has to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I just want to say, I'm finishing up the thing quickly, because it, in looking back on this, I thought like, oh, so this episode, yeah, 60 minutes long, but it's 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 pre- pretty straightforward. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> drama to it all, and he gets to know these people, but it feels like a real, you know, the producer off camera giving that stretch it out symbol, like, just kind of, <laughs> can we just milk this a little? It's like, more people with water, please. You know, it's fine. <laughs> it feels like this could even be a 15 minute webisode. I mean, not, not it's not a bad story. It's just like, okay, like it, it's sort of proving this thing to the doctor about fixed points in time. It's this little moment where he's in between companions. Um, 
you know, the actors are fun. Uh, Gemma Chan, a uh, young Gemma Chan is in this movie. She's a actresses in a bunch of stuff right now, but uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't I, a young was Asian in? woman. Um she's in a bunch of stuff. Well, I uh, figured yeah. she wasn't the white guy. She's about <laughs> <laughs> She's about to be in the uh, uh, new Marvel movie uh, uh, Eternals, I think, if I'm right, but uh, oh, she was okay. in Captain Marvel, and yeah, anyway, right. so many Marvel properties. Um, yeah, it, it feels almost. Um, so what's interesting about this is that it does feel like the most interesting part of the story, which is him wrestling with changing time, right? Which is kind of what Barbara does in the Aztecs. Yeah, uh, but they sort of rush that in the last ten minutes. It's like ah, I'm insane with power, and then like thirty seconds later, oh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and they do right, and the whole previous probably 50 minutes is him saying like i can't do anything to change yeah, this i can't, I can't. Anything, right i can't it's like get to the get to the exciting you know he's he's having a, a moment thing um now i think that i have not dipped into this but they announced uh last year i guess it was or before this sort of giant cross-platform uh series called time lord victorious which i think is deals with some of the ramifications or deals with this idea that he's suddenly like wait a minute there's no gal there's no time lords I'm the one in charge here. I can decide the rules. Uh, and they and it's sort of this. They they wrote books. They did audio. Big Finish did audio plays with David Tennant, with Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor. Uh, um, they did uh, uh, you know, all sorts of. Uh, I mean, I think even Tom Baker did an audio. Uh, there was an escape room that was like it was basically this giant cross-platform <laughs> story that you could dip into in any medium you wanted to, and it would still make sense. But also, it told this larger story around this Time Lord victorious. I, theme. I like to only get most of my long-form storytelling done through escape rooms. That's yeah, how right. I. That's how I. That's how I actually read a tale of two cities, which is through a series of escape yeah. rooms. Yeah. yeah, you're just guillotine, a guillotine, and uh, you you were there, <laughs> Doctor Minette. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's true. Um, yeah, it's uh, I I don't. Uh, I guess a lot of people think it's a great one. A lot of people think it's one of his best. Really, um, I, I'm I, not sure I do. Uh, there's nice moments. I mean, again, I didn't dislike the episode. It's just I feel like again when I'm and part of this is you know we're summarizing this at the end. I feel like you get to summarizing and it was like yeah not much what's going yeah. on um not that i guess amount of plot makes a a plot better but uh, i i do think i think it would have worked better if there was more of him clearly this is sort of a metaphor for him coming to terms with the fact that his life is ending or his this yeah. this gen this regeneration is ending and there's hints of that but i think if i just i guess i'm expected to think that he's so more invested in these people than i really buy like we've had a couple episodes like this like 42 and some other ones where he he goes on or or the the satan at the core of the planet one mm -hmm. you know he goes on and we're supposed to believe it's like you look i'll buy to a certain extent he is a very um empathic uh being and he'll land and really relate to a group of people and really want to save them and and but why like clearly the reason now why he is trying to change all of the fabric of space and time has to do more with his own mortality than these six people. Like, yes, I know he likes these people, but like it's sort of trying to sell me that that's part of the reason. And I just think maybe some more like almost like Hamlet Doctor Who of him thinking about his mortality yeah. and us really seeing that more mixed in with what was hap happening would have maybe been more entertaining yeah, but yeah, i agree I and i i don't like uh this is another one that almost ranges the turn left uh camp although not quite second holocaust you know which is obviously that's <laughs> just gonna be that's a bar that's hard to clear um but uh this one has and folks we're laughing at the incongruity not the idea of the same <laughs> no no <laughs> but, um uh 
No, just it's the, the, the second Holocaust was done through essentially the equivalent of like a training montage in yeah. a Rocky film. It was like, <laughs> it was just cut to cut to cut to Holocaust. Whoa, whoa, did I miss part of this montage? Wow, like, we got, we went we really <laughs> took a leap there. Um, so no, it's the it's her suicide at the end. So the implication is that uh, um, yeah, that okay. So her death originally she died mysteriously on Mars, and that inspired the granddaughter to uh, to reach for the stars right. or whatever. Um, and then they're just like, okay, well, that didn't happen. But also the granddaughter will be inspired by finding her body. <laughs> She's finding she shot herself in the head in her house after she got back from Mars for no, nobody can explain how that happened uh, or why yeah. she suddenly showed up back from Mars dead. But th- that'll be equally inspiring to a child. I, I don't, uh, uh, I feel like it, it almost comes off as like Russell T. Davies. I think Russell T. Davies was the writer and there's another, it was a co-written, I, I think. Uh, and it almost comes off as like, uh, they came up with a really great story idea. Yeah, like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if he went into a situation and he just couldn't change anything? And that would just be a real acting, dramatic acting, you know, moment. And David Tennant would play it so intensely. And they were like, oh, yeah, but we can't end it. Like, that would be really depressing. He's like, well, gotta go. And then just blew up and he flew away. I also think, oh, another <laughs> like, thing. Oh, boy, we gotta get out of this. <laughs> I don't know why in this episode, also, I'm feeling this instinct of like, let me pitch some other ideas to rewrite this. Like, <laughs> but another way to sort of get this across is, um thinking about the different parts of um like groundhog day or um that tom cruise time travel movie Mm. where um it almost be seeing him try to change time in a couple different ways and like never like keep coming back to like he can't do it he can't do it he can't do it good one we should spec script this (laughs) there you go (laughs) um basically just groundhog day but we'll just put david Tennant in i mean sounds sounds good i like that uh yeah no it is and it's 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 an interesting idea but i just again doesn't quite work uh i will give i think um i'll give them credit it's it looks great uh yes yes. epic in scale and that that uh the 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 conservatory slash botany uh, I think it, I think it was really advantageous to them, and I don't know if this was just I don't know if this was intentional, just a moment in time. But I think switching to HD during this period where they're spending like months on one yeah. episode probably really helpful for them to get the hang of all of it because it just looks great. It looks like, yeah. and in fact, it makes me be like, oh, I wish they had just gotten to here earlier this is it just it's so much it more looks fantastic. To watch. and i i mean the flood i think is what they're calling the monster or whatever um, yeah uh, brilliant idea right like, like just put tubes in people's clothes and have water come out of them and like water just runs out of them. i must have been miserable to shoot can you imagine it's just hours on end just standing in cold water <laughs> but it's a great but it looks amazing and it's a scary idea it's and, well and it's a great tweak on the idea of the doctor who monster i remember just like an early thing you told me about the doctor who monsters of hey they try to not just have it be here's a different humanoid with a different like mask on and this they found a great way to kind of do both things which is like well the actual monster is the water itself which is like an interesting uh embodiment of a monster but then because it infects them and there's kind of the zombie like element to it you have people involved but that's not really the being the being is the water itself which is this scary thing right like they mentioned on the ship it's like you can't keep it out like you can't keep all the water out it's impossible you know yeah, that's which I'm cool. not sure that stands up quite when you're in a contained environment on Mars, but I'm going to allow it. <laughs> uh, and um, it does. Uh, uh, it also it also has that thing which I think I actually do think producers of Doctor, especially now because they're all kids or they were all kids when it started and grew up watching Doctor Who, is I think they look for ways to like how would a kid do this on the playground or at home, right? And you could see a kid shoving a 
garden hose, you know, down a sleeve or something like that. Like, I'm the monster. <laughs> I'm like, the you, know, you could do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I yeah. think that makes it cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, this is very well regarded, but clearly we disagree. So stuff it. Who wins? <laughs> All right. Well, with that, why don't we move on to our classic episode, mm-hmm. uh, The Ambassadors of Death. Nice light title. <laughs> the Ambassadors of Death. Well, if you and as you it, mentioned, if you do this it the way out. the credits uh, do it on the show, it's because uh, they have an odd opening credit sequence. Yes, I wanted to mention it's that. the yeah. ambassadors of death. Like, it's like a very exciting. It's a double credits every <laughs> yes. single episode. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, they're really enjoying themselves with that sting <laughs> of the music. This is, as you mentioned, uh, closes out. This is a, a podcast wrap for Liz Shaw, everybody. Podcast hey, wrap for Liz Shaw. Thank you, Liz. Um, um, and also, this concludes, uh, I've now seen all of season seven, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, there you go. Knock that so, puppy off. Season seven. I've seen all of season seven and all of seasons of the newer seasons. Um, well, well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And my review of season seven is I like it pretty yeah. good. It's if that were the season that I kind of watched first, I can imagine uh, I, I, I really, um, really like it. So um, this is story number 53. It is uh, regrettably seven episodes long. Yeah, it, it could probably be shaved down. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it is this the third story. It's right in the middle of season seven. It aired in 1970 from the 21st of March through the 2nd of May. So it went <laughs> for like one and a half months. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, weekly. Okay. Um, and we have a little clip, which I will play for you right about now. Why have you taken them prisoner? Why have you not returned our ambassadors? Ambassadors? An agreement was made. You have betrayed us. Unless our ambassadors are returned, we shall destroy your world. Radio telescope report from Jodrell Bank. Computer analyzes shape of object as discoid, half a mile in diameter. Half a mile wide? Must be a meteor. Meteors don't stand still. It's quite obviously an alien spacecraft. We must attack and destroy it. What about the doctor? If that is a spacecraft, he may be on board. He must be dead by now. We could use (laughs) missiles with atomic warheads. Until we know for certain... We do know. I've got a plane to catch. There's an emergency (laughs) meeting at the Security Council in Geneva in an hour's time. Security Council? Yes, this object has been spotted by observers all over the world. What are you going to tell the council, sir? I shall recommend an immediate all-out attack. We must defend ourselves while there is still time. The man's mad. Not necessarily. We don't know where that thing is, though. Then surely we should find out. Perhaps someone's found out already. What do you mean? I have a feeling that General Caddington knows a great deal more than he's telling us. (laughs) You have a good feeling, Brigadier. That is a correct feeling. So that, you know, I want to make sure we get some brigadier action in there. I know he's your yeah, favorite. great, great brigadier episodes. A, y- a young brigadier. Um, yes, yes, first, first real full season of him. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, this is seven episodes. I feel like famous last words, but again, I feel like this could be like three episodes, two, yeah. two yeah. maybe, <clears throat> because like the plot is relatively simple, though. And watching it because it drug on so long, my interest wavered, and I had to like I had to read the Wikipedia. Like, wait, what just happened? What what <laughs> went on? But having done that, I can kind of explain what went on. Where it, they, I love the scene you had by the way, where he's like, "I gotta get, the, I gotta catch a plane." But can you guys just nuke everything while I'm gone? <laughs> um, anyway, like places to be. Yeah. Uh, of course, the 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 
very uh you know historic british space program in yeah, full effect yeah, here right. they, just um, blasting ships into space every five minutes too I mean, yeah and uh, this is the mars like <laughs> yeah uh, did, the mars did they 19th. land on mars or they yes because remember at the beginning it's to, to the beginning they're going to rescue the astronauts who right. came and they're like something took off from right mars. so and right so, so this yeah. spaceship that they're rescuing landed on mars mm -hmm. i think for 24 hours or so they were sending or maybe a week they were sending back um the the astronauts were sending back communication and then it suddenly stopped and no one knew what happened then um all of a sudden i i don't know maybe a year or so passed and then all of a sudden the um they picked up that the the colony the the spaceship that was on the colony to to blast back off to earth just it, it happened with no communication so they're sending this rescue mission to try to see what's going on there um we're in the you know command and control um in you know lester <laughs> wherever the hell they are with, with three people in it <laughs> yeah and the brigadier who like why yeah. is unit involved in this but at any rate um and uh liz and the doctor are in is the are the guts of the tardis just sitting in a in a, in a well yeah. well appointed room yeah because remember uh remember he took he had the console out in the garage in, in inferno, inferno. Yeah. Like, yeah this is before that he's just ripped it out apparently and just, okay you know that's that's how much it's like if you, if you took your car engine out and put it on a block in your garage you could still so work on it. the doctor's there with uh physicist liz shaw there's some playing around with uh time travel this is the most um immediate time travel they've done where they literally just kind of blink on and off in, in yep. and around the room you rarely see this and the idea that the tardis can time travel a person not mm -hmm. it's not like everything within it so that yeah. was interesting which, i don't know which seems like a significant moment yeah and obviously cut adds to the seven episode running time and then never comes back like i just when you first see it you're kind of like oh i bet this comes back at some point. yeah, and yeah. <laughs> seems handy <laughs> anyway um it is the cannon. It's it's uh, Chekhov's cannon, but but on well, fire. While the rescue astronaut, by the way, they sent up a single rescue astronaut, which yeah, yeah. isn't often done, and <laughs> he docks with the other spacecraft there. And when he does and goes inside, we never really see any visual uh, on what he sees. But there's a huge, loud, loud. Um, sound which the doctor hears this is airing everywhere it's like a big you know global event of like wow they're going to see what happened in the spacecraft and as soon as the doctor hears it he says oh my gosh that's a message we need to get there he barges his way into space command and control there's a lot of like who is this who is this mm -hmm. um and the brigadier vouches for him um ultimately what we find out so they ultimately get the spacecraft down the earth they can't get inside it if the crew is in there if anyone's in there they're not communicating with it they are able to open it, and there's nothing in it um, except uh, like a crudely set up recorder. It's all yeah. very strange because then where was the guy who went up anyway? Um, <laughs> so then uh, there's what's confusing, I think, visually about this is that what's hap part of what's happening is that there is a, um, a another commander. I forget his name, General Carrington, uh, yes. the who's like the Space Force controller, like space military, and. He, as we just heard him, it's just out to blow this thing up. He just wants to end it. And what we find out is like he is he he was a Mars astronaut. He had a bad experience with some aliens that were there. He wants to go lure them out and destroy them. And so he thinks he's found the aliens and he just wants to destroy them. What's confusing is because there's like dueling military people it is very confusing as to who's doing what and also because yeah. it's doctor who and there are in fact aliens involved with this plot it's hard to tell like well, wait are those just military people part of this little coup 
or are they actually aliens? And it's, you know, I think maybe they're trying to play with that uncertainty, but it's just confusing. It's just actually very confusing as to who's doing what. Um, Ultimately, uh, uh, we have a nice, a bunch of, we had a bunch of nice sequences. The doctor goes, is an astronaut. That's fun. He goes up and ducks up there. And there are these aliens who we've, we interact with a lot, but I feel like this is the the episode most of Doctor Who where they interact a lot with an alien species and we hear nothing about them. We don't even know their name. We don't know yeah, anything yeah. about them they're, other they're than passengers. they're in around Mars, but they're not even like Martians. They're just like around there. Um, yeah, that's true. I guess they never quite. I mean, I think they're meant to be, but we also know that the ice warriors are from Mars, so I don't know where they are during all this. So there's a lot of Mars stuff. So ultimately, mm-hmm. he's trying to nuke these aliens because he just has it out for them from his previous experience. And what the doctor and the brigadier are trying to convince him of is like, look, I, I guess we get it, but if you do this, they will destroy the entire Earth. Like, so this is a bad plan. And <laughs> And and then there's some, you know, they, they capture Liz and then they capture the doctor and then there's some back and forth there. But that's all that happens. Ultimately, they stop him. What's crazy to me is that, like, again, this is not a seven episode plot. You just didn't need this. Um, there's a and, lot of trying to kill the doctor. Like, there's like yeah. four or five assassination attempts, um, including uh, one of which includes the absolutely wonderful uh, Bruno Tertallian, who is the, the scientist who tries yeah. at the beginning uh, with the ludicrous French accent. He will try to kill you, Doctor Who. It is very bad, except famously, they apparently didn't decide he was French until they went into the studio. So when they meet him on location, when he meets Liz in the car, he doesn't have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that happens in here, you've discussed before that, uh, uh, Pertwee's season is like kind of action hero Doctor Who. He's not doing that much action heroing, but there's lots of action sequences, just yeah. tons of action sequences. And uh, what I like about this era, I know this is the only season I've seen a lot of, but what I really do like about the John Pertwee seasons, especially this first one, is um, there's bad stuff in Doctor Who. And I like the seasons where the bad stuff is very endearing and enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. So this era of of doctor who like the the gunfights that they had are so laughably bad but they're funny and enjoyable (laughs) to me like i like watching the brigadier make his little stance with his pistol like he's a gunfighter yeah and he shoots a gun out of someone's hand right um, later on so there's the action sequences are really silly and in general i i enjoy them because they're silly um but there's just too many there's so much of that and and there's also a lot of um we can't just sort of allude to the fact that they got through the gate we have to show like a five minute scene of the guards (laughs) at the gate then them and it's all done through there's not dialogue or anything it's just this like sort of uh, shots where uh, impressively shot like low scale with the sun behind them the astronauts look impressive but yes there's a lot of it it goes on for a a very long time (laughs) so that i i wonder if i would like i do think this story is confusing for the reasons i mentioned i wonder if i would have liked it more because i do like this era if they had also just trimmed the fat a lot on this um it, it's so definitely um, it's definitely uh, the weakest of the season, I think. Um, it's interesting. It's so what was other? Inferno, the Spearhead from Space is the first. Yeah, the Celerians. Uh, oh, this Do- Doctor Who and the Celerians. Doctor Who and the Celerians, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then, yeah, Inferno. Um, this is written by David Whitaker, uh, who was uh, sort of the architect of the early seasons of Doctor Who and had not written anything since uh, early in the second Doctor's era. And I think 
didn't quite get that the series changed tone quite a bit. And then I hmm. actually about several, it's written actually credited to it's credited to David Whitaker. It, the behind the scenes is written by about four different authors. And you can kind of tell that maybe they didn't, maybe they just glued everything together. <laughs> it's like a song. Right. Um, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite hang together. It's got, um, uh, it does have a lot of action sequences. I do like the, uh, I, I will give them a lot of credit for the impressive uh, hijacking sequence, right? They have a helicopter and the truck with the yeah. thing and motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, good for you, Doctor Who. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, um, uh, a lot of interesting ideas. I, I think that you're right about the confusion. So that I think what they were trying to do, which would have been interesting if, if it, again, if it had been shorter and it didn't take quite so long, is is they sort of reveal Carrington is the bad guy right at the beginning. Uh, but then they kind of are like, oh, no, actually, he's not the bad guy. Uh, he can explain all of that. Uh, and he might actually be the good guy. But they don't play with that enough. Like, it should have been like, oh, OK. I guess, and it should have been like a surprise surprise that he turned out to be the bad guy again. Right. They don't quite. His motivation which is interesting, right? Like he saw, so it, it's, he kind of went crazy because he was on Mars or something and he saw his, his, his co-astronauts killed by the Martians and thought they were evil. And so then he was, he was trying to do the right thing. He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to come and invade us and kill everybody. Um, but it, it, they don't reveal that motivation until too late. So I don't think it works quite, quite so well. Um, and again, they, with the aliens, um, they're so, nebulous that it's um they're like these macguffin aliens where it's just like well we need an alien here but we're not going to tell you much about it and it just it it stands apart from so many other episodes we talked before about like well do you need this like dumb explanation for sometimes like extraneous and unneeded the explanation and (laughs) basically watching this one i feel like well no i don't want that but this is too little explanation (laughs) like they're just because it doesn't make sense like the doctor would know what it is like he, he would well, know they're, something they're they're um they're supposed to be ambassadors which means that and we meet the alien in space who is able to talk and is very intelligent but then these ones can't talk and also they keep going around killing everybody and it's yeah. like okay well I can you the first time you kill someone you'd be like oh that's an accident but later you'd be like whoa hey maybe i should stop killing everybody i don't know what's <laughs> going on here i'm not sure what the story is um so that's very odd uh regan the bad guy the the, the one who kidnaps them and it is is he's just coming out of like a, a, a 1970s like gang movie like he is yeah. in a completely different tone to the rest of it, like murdering people left right and center that oh yeah unit by the way is <laughs> not doing well unit is like the numbers are thinned by the end of this episode yeah uh, that was a bit spicy um by the uh, way sorry i'm thinking about that gunfight one of my favorite um parts of that gunfight were again they're just really enjoying like you said the helicopter and they're enjoying oh, yeah. their special effects they all have guns they must be having a great time and there's one scene where in the shootout uh the the brigadier is being shot at and he gets shot the gun i think again gets shot out of his hand and then they clearly wanted to have a squib on the wall behind him explode just to indicate like wow he's really close to be getting shot but it's so ridiculous because like he gets shot once makes really like is surprised by it but makes no move but then the second shot near his head is like i better move and duck it's like <laughs> wouldn't you probably duck after the first gunshot right next to you but he waits there clearly because they've been told like and then the squib's gonna fire so just hold there a beat I don't want to get thing. hurt yeah uh yeah it's, they they even had this is a time when they had a whole special uh special stunt crew that, and, and it, actually if you go through the episode you can end throughout the rest of the unit years the same three guys keep 
keep getting killed. Like the nah. same soldier gets killed a lot. Um, By the way, there's a great stunt with Liz falling into the almost falling into the water. Yep, yep. Um, which is uh, famously, uh, I think she's given it's it's if and I think if you pause it and look close enough, you see that it's a man. It's clearly must, a man in a dress. I figured it must be. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, they did pretty good, but I. I, I mean, and you, know. you gotta. I mean, I'll give her credit. Those fabulous white boots and white hat. Um, she looked great. Uh, there's a lot of escaping, or she. I don't know how many times she gets to the top of those stairs and that will happen before somebody <laughs> catches her. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, it's, it is uh, what I, I do like the, um, uh, I don't want to say realism of it, but there is sort of a, it is sort of a very like, this is what space would be like. Like it was very, yeah. um, uh, it doesn't, it's not like people in silver spacesuits flying around, which I, I did think was cool. Although I love that when the, uh, Thank goodness when the landers come back, they keep landing in rural England. Like, no, you know, just hit, hit the mark. Like, <laughs> not in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean being picked up by an aircraft carrier. Well, just remember, right in the middle of the world. <laughs> they're drawing off of, um, you know, um, Apollo 11 was um, yeah. 1969. So this is about like, this is airing a little under a year later. So especially the way they're covering it on the TV, everything I'm sure was yep. very familiar. Um, and I think if I'm right, uh, uh, they were actually using this. Uh, apparently when the BBC was covering the Apollo thing, they had a bunch of model sequences to sort of show how all these things work. And I think they were using the same oh. people who did those. And okay. cause the space scenes are, or the little space models are pretty impressive. Yeah, they look, they good. look pretty good. Um, just two other notes on this one. Uh, this is um, uh, if uh, on BritBox, was it in black and white or was it all in color? Color, color. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, a lot of the third doctor ones, and this was one that they struggled with for a long time. Um, for whatever reason, the color prints were often wiped, but some black and white ones are all for. So for a long time, a lot of third doctor stories were still in black and white. But they have since been doing a lot of work on colorizing them. Um, and they actually did a very uh, um, they, they didn't want to do the Ted Turner colorizing where I guess you just I think it's just Ted with a little paintbrush uh, on the film uh, uh, cells. But uh, they figured out suddenly that you could actually that even the black and white um, pixels actually had information about what color they should be. And they could actually recapture oh. that. It's a pretty cool process, apparently. Um and then, yeah, I mean, just to, just as a quick season seven wrap up, this is um, uh, almost unique in sort of Doctor Who, just the approach to the the stories. I mean, as you've seen a couple of the third Doctor episodes, even the rest of them aren't quite like this. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got Liz, but also just sort of that a, a, a grittier, I guess, <laughs> realism to them in a sense. Like, I mean, you know, you do have the uh you know the the sort of hard villain like regan and stuff like that and you do have the you know more more sort of deliberately paced stories and building out the building out things and stuff like that but um uh, yeah season seven is regarded as a high point by doctor who fans classic who fans uh and uh and 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 again seen as like they never quite tried to do this again uh it was hmm. very different approach to it um and uh and and you know there's been some interesting uh, academic work in doctor who magazine of course uh discussing that uh <laughs> <laughs> about how they couldn't keep doing it. but yeah it's a it's not the best of season seven but it's still a strong story oh no oh no uh oh were we sound affecting i was trying to sound effect there we go there it is themes 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 the aria from themes <laughs> yeah it's an aria from themes or it also kind of reminds me of a production logo might be happening during that oh like, um, yeah yeah that you like see, that. Um, we you know, uh, we did create a production company to brand this whole thing like like pj's 
Like, and you could have a pajama theme. Like, I think we should call a production on. company Chap with the Wings. Chap with the Wings. Oh, I yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like that. I mean, we'd be sued by the estate of Nick Courtney. But I think... I no, think still, but he had yeah. the other thing. Well, he can't own every word. He, he, <laughs> he owns that entire phrase. I thought it was just five rounds. I mean, we've, we've stolen No Not the Mind Probe, too, uh, from Terrence Dick. So I suppose it's, it's, oh, all, okay. it's all a, a cake of intellectual fraud. Well, look, uh, that should be he, our tagline, by the way. <laughs> Podcast: a cake, a melange of intellectual fraud. <laughs> look, this is no, not the mind pro NNTMP Ntimp, uh, look, and we like to talk about themes, uh, threads that run through the fabric mm. of Doctor subtle, Who, subtle and also our larger world. So, what did you want to talk about for for these couple episodes? Uh, Mars is the linking theme. Uh, Mars and, is a planet, I believe, John. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, there's obviously a lot of direction we go in, but should we blow it up? I think that's starting. <laughs> should it be? Is it time to blow up it's Mars? It's clearly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very anti-Mars uh, uh, opinion stance taken by Dr. Who. No, writ what's, large. What's, what's interesting about it is I think uh, is uh, I, I was sort of pondering this uh is what's going to happen when we do actually land on mars and we're already seeing it happen but mars has been the source of so much sci-fi over the years yeah. it's our closest neighbor and usually again like sinister mystery yeah and like, like you know. i mean and you know we're only a couple weeks out from halloween the famous war of the worlds broadcast and all that kind of stuff um and uh and you know it's like are we just going to be like okay well let's move on to jupiter (laughs) or is it going to be like no you know what actually there's nothing like mars is close enough and and earth-like enough that it it has that like well there could be somebody there or there could have been but like now we're going to be like well there's nobody now we're gonna have to really figure out how to get it well no i mean i think probably what we'll find is um evidence of microscopic life when when we search long enough because there was not just water but quite a bit of water on mars is what they're finding out more and more i mean essentially we're landing in like floodplains and stuff like that so whether or not we'll find, you know, living organisms there now, um, there's so many, you know, they're called like extremophilic, extremophiles, um, tiny microscopic life that can live near, you know, like we have we have bacteria and things like that can live near extremely like boiling hot sulfur vents under right, the, at the bottom floor. of the yeah. ocean. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's probably something can can survive on Mars. So the funny thing about it, I think, is that for all the mystery and, and sinister evil beings we'll find there, there'll be like tiny microbes. But and, yeah. and it could be the source of when we find that. I mean, I still think I don't know if, you know, the world in general may just sort of shrug its collective shoulders. But I, I think if we find extra you know um extraterrestrial life that would still be such an amazing moment for human well, I civilization mean, i mean yeah and, I, and that's what I'm, it's interesting like just the curious thing about it right so like what we'll have to like is the pope gonna be like caught in the middle of the night like shoehorning god created earth and mars uh in general is he's he's that guy he's like the conspiracy theorist so like anything that comes up he's like actually this fits with everything i've been saying actually if you've been listening but I, I was saying it in Latin. Woody Allen. I, I, I was saying it in Latin. And yes, that's uh, right. Am I comparing the Pope to basically QAnon? Yeah. Uh, the Catholic maybe, Church maybe. to QAnon? Just yeah, more money. basically. Just more money. Um, but no, you think about... Uh, um, uh, I, 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 there's a great talk uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson not me just hanging out with him personally, um, but but uh, he, he came to D.C. and was giving me a talk and he was pointing out how uh, he's showing pictures of even from like Star Trek and like sci fi before we went to the moon or before we were going through space. Um, and then after and he was like, you know, we, we saw the Earth as uh, there were no clouds. 
uh, you just it looks like a globe uh, uh, when like the Enterprise is going over it. Uh, and he was like, they didn't put clouds on it um, because that nobody realized or didn't really think like, oh, we covered. And it was only when pictures came back from space. No. Um, and so, yeah, like what will what will Mars? How will that change? And 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 they said, and him and Sagan and others, you know, were sort of like, yeah, that actually sparked the environmental movement in some ways yes. because it sort yeah. of showed people. And so, yeah, what, what will Mars spark? Right? Will it be like, oh, hey, you know, what perspective weren't we expecting, or something like that? Um, well, well, I yeah, think again. Um, if we find life on Mars um, again, like you know, my, I, you know, we're not going to find like. We're not going to, I would doubt, I would doubt, let's just say, <laughs> I would doubt that we're suddenly going to be like, ah, oh, there's a cow skeleton there. It's like, no, right. we're going to find like, or, or like a life. Denny's. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but a bit, but ooh, abandoned though. Ooh. Um, and then Denny's will be like, oh yeah, we had a, we had a Mars chain. Did we not? Did we not have said that? Okay. That's us. That's us. Look, yeah. they, they called about a franchise. We just agreed. We didn't know it was a big deal. No, I mean, we're going to find microscopic life if, or rather if, if we're going to find it, it's going to be microscopic life. What I actually think it would trigger is um an an acceleration that's already kind of happening anyway but acceleration of the search to then find life further because basically it's like oh so in the first place we looked, we looked yeah that that we really were able to look in any sort of reasonable way we immediately found evidence of some life that must mean that would then i would say change there's a there's i forgot the name of this equation um but there's an equation done to sort of figure out well, the what number are of the life odds planets? That yeah, yeah. yeah ba- based on all the numbers out there, and basically saying like it's improbable that there's not other life because of if you just look at all the galaxies and all the stars and all the planets that are probably in the habitable zone, there's there's probably life. Um, it's the if Fermi. You, it's the Fermi paradox. Right? The Fermi paradox. So if <clears throat> if you then now say. Um, okay, now in the one place that we reasonably look, we already found evidence of some life. That changes that entire equation into being like the universe. Universe must be teeming yeah. with life then, and, right. and I think that would that would really I think change people's thoughts and more aggressively we want to be like, hey, let's go to Europa now. Let's go to Jupiter's moons. Let's let's see, you know, SETI. Which I think uh, the search for intelligent, uh, right. ter- search for extraterrestrial, yeah, the, the Jody Foster program, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's interesting. It was mentioned during in contact, but um, it, I, I believe, when we were growing up, pri- like prior to when contact was aired and that was talked about, said he was always mentioned, but it was like, oh, these crackpots. Whack jobs, I believe yeah. by this point, it's not that there's other people searching for for life perhaps in more academic ways but it's not left off it's like a crackpot thing it's sort of right. like yeah that's reasonable the way you're looking um so i think it's going to become more and more reasonable to to think that there's life out there and maybe more and more energy into um aspects of the space race or whatever you want to call it i guess we're racing against china now to to find to find more and more life so i think that but, would have that effect in a big but way what will happen to sci-fi because now it's yeah. like if you think about it um it, it, once we figure out there's nothing on mars then we're gonna have to well, A, there'll be conspiracy theorists who's like, there's everything on Mars. First of all. <laughs> um, it's that Trump lives there. Somehow uh, they faked it, but also there's a lot yeah. there, but also they faked and, it. And, and none of them are vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and all the, and I sure as hell wouldn't go there, but all the rich people are going there, so I want to go there. But anyway, there's a lot there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like aliens, like aliens used to come to Earth from Mars. You know, back when I was a kid, in the good old days, aliens used to invade from Mars because we were here. <laughs> but now, like, it, you know, the story, to, it'll have to be a concerted effort to come here right you gotta really want it to get here well it's not just also your, casual, your, your casual invasion will no longer happen it's gonna be really deliberate coming back to dr who too like one of the interesting things uh if you read some of the arthur c Clarke 
um, 2001 series of, of novels, he talks about um, life on, I think it's Europa, and uh, and and actually, I think it's life on actually Jupiter itself. And and he talks about the fact that it was never seen because it didn't look like life that we were looking for. So Jupiter Man. is this gaseous giant with all these noxious fumes, and he sort of talks about that there are essentially sentient beings that essentially look like just enormous clouds. That's just how they operate. So it was never seen or thought of as like evidence of life was like right there looking at us now whether or not that is specifically true but just this general idea of saying like if we found life on mars but it's maybe it's not martians it's not little green men would that kind of open people's sci-fi appetite for like hey let's really examine really unusual life that we might find elsewhere and it might be you know a little different than we thought or even just this idea of like it's bacteria in a lot of places and you but you could tell kind of weird stories about the different you know i mean the 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 one we watched the water from mars some sort of like virus in the water or something like that like uh, that could be a kind of a cool um way to say doctor who ahead of its time always always amazing amazing stuff all right i managed to find that sound clip in time nice thus salvaging the episode (laughs) save Okay, uh, John. There are 295 uh, Doctor Who stories. Actually, over that, but we're 295. Yeah, and they deep. just announced mm. another season, October 31st, folks. Doctor Who Whoa. Flux. The whole season has a single name, Flux. Wait, uh, but it's already airing in a, like less than a month. Yeah, Doctor Who. It's it's the, the final Jodie Whittaker season. Uh, oh, so, and then yeah. Russell C. Davies isn't taking over you until know, then. Folks, obviously the elephant in the room, which we have not, and a lot of folks uh, have we uh, not talked about that? I don't think we have because I think it happened when yeah, people clinging to their podcasting devices to wait for our opinion, and the answer is we don't. We have no idea. Uh, yeah. yeah, Russell T. Davies has been named the new Just show. As we're about to review his last previous yeah. episode, we're about yeah. to be done with him. So we better, uh, we better toe the line if we wow. want to get in with the new production team. <laughs> now, look, <laughs> now look, the larger elephant in the same room, John, you were mm. not chosen as showrunner. No, or yet Doctor again. Who. Well, we Did don't I, know that. Actually, we don't yeah, know that. I'd be, I, and I'm, I wouldn't be able to say if I was. In fact, I'd be True. probably really cagey about it right now. Um, and look, the double blow. Look, let's say, let's. There's an elephant standing on top of the elephant in the room. Big room, uh, guys. Big which, warehouse which room. That I'm. I'm actually. This has been a really difficult show for me because I'm still reeling from. I just saw the final NCIS with Agent Gibbs. Mm. Mark Harmon has left NCIS, possibly to become Doctor Who. No. Oh, um, hey, an American <laughs> Doctor Who, right? Or, Ooh. but actually, you know, the real curveball was when Gibbs regenerated. And then everybody's like, "Well, I feel like that's, that was that came out of left field, uh, and then became Gary Cole." Uh, Wouldn't it be funny it if crazy. they did regenerate the next Doctor Who? And you know, Jodie Whittaker regenerates, and then they're like, "They're like, yeah, we just wanted more diversity. We've had so many British Doctor Who's, we're gonna have an American." <laughs> Don't oh, worry, still a white male, still a white, still a white male. male. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Mark Harmon, he he was a comedic actor. He's got he some would sparkle. He be, he'd but, be a good know, But he's he's had eighteen seasons as Gibbs, and, and um, I'm just get folks for your if you're tuning for ncis news 
thank goodness you waited 46 episodes because here it is. <laughs> um, uh, does not have a lot of lines. He Gibbs has a, he's, he's cultivated a very stoic personality, which mm. is brilliant for Mark Harmon because he just doesn't have any lines. He just stands there and looks at people, and then they all do the talking around him. It's great. Uh, interesting show too. Like Doctor Who, to okay. bring it home. Uh, uh, all the original cast is now gone. There is nobody who, when the show started. Mm. There is nobody on it. And before everybody just tunes up, folks. Yeah, it's gonna get real here about how it's weird to watch that show. It is the number one scripted drama in the world after 18 seasons. World. It's it still is after 18 still seasons. one of the biggest shows on. I've TV. never seen a single episode. Well, it's like uh, it's basically it's amazing that any naval vessel gets out of port without a murder <laughs> on it. <laughs> From what we can tell, yeah. If you are in the navy, you are about to be killed. Uh, so just watch your step, folks. All anyway, right, on that to this public show. service announcement <laughs> note, uh, we have ranked 90 of the 295 Doctor Who stories. Not mm. bad. We're we're making progress here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and now we're going to rank these. I'm going to start. Uh, these were both kind of middle of the road for me. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Waters of Mars, I ended up ranking slightly higher than Ambassadors of Death, uh, but they're both in the, you know, we've ranked 90 episodes. They're just above on the top half of the, uh, of things. Actually, Ambassadors of Death is almost exactly in the middle. I have it ranked 41 um, out of, you know, out of 90. I have it, Ambassadors of Death, I have ranked right by the Time Warrior. And, Third Doctor and, uh, section, yeah. Um, just below Unicorn and the Wasp. I, I, I was basically the the ones above it were ones that I was like, oh, I enjoyed those more. Um, I'm explaining how ranking works. <laughs> the ones above it, I enjoyed more. The ones below it, I did not enjoy as much. If everybody following this, <laughs> put you write this down, people. <laughs> oh boy, you know, never let it be said that we treat our audience with we we expect the best from them, and that I have to explain how. So what a ranking is. <laughs> <laughs> now, if one is at 41 and one is at 42 the one at 41 is one better but if one is at 44 oh, and one is at 42 the one at 44 is, is two worse you as everybody fallen all right so waters of mars i have slightly higher than that um a couple of you know uh logopolis spirit from space tomb of the cybermen 42 42 reminded me a lot of waters of mars i already mentioned it yep. but I, yep. I did enjoy waters of mars more than that um i know i think you like that one more but partners in crime i i put it just above that Mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. shocking it's it's a donna episode oh, and this donna. is a non-donna episode oh, but i did Catherine like Cage. it more than i didn't really like the adipose that thing that oh mm-hmm. um but then we got to utopia i put it below utopia so um anyway 31 so 31 mm-hmm. and 41 i ranked these mm-hmm. well, you know maybe you would have liked partners in crime better if uh, everyone had killed themselves at the end uh, <laughs> <laughs> was, it's just a clean it's cleaner that way <laughs> then i'm like great i can leave I this want... show knowing i don't have to deal yeah. with it anymore i don't Everyone's want any dead. characters to go on once i'm done with them so they should all <laughs> kill them uh actually we're in pretty we're we're reasonably in agreement here uh, we're close i think a lot of um i've got uh waters of mars exactly near 42 uh, and and yes i see uh, the comparison in terms of the pace uh sort of the cast of characters being slowly whittled away by a, a menacing threat right right uh so yeah i put them right next to each other uh, and i put waters of mars slightly above uh 42 one above uh, that's slight folks uh and so i think it is better than 42 to continue okay, yep, okay. <laughs> so right i'm, I'm glad we it. went over it because now i really <laughs> yeah, now I, I get it I get it so that puts it at number 33 for me uh and then i have the ambassadors of death um it's in the Doctor who in the silurians camp for me just in terms of 
it's I mean, the length makes it just kind of a story you sit in for a while. It's it's happening for a while. Like people watching it were probably like, This this may never end. Like this could just be it for it. <laughs> um which does give it a chance to breathe a little bit, which I think is interesting. I love Liz, uh, and I like I like the Brigadiers. It's it's cool here and pretty effective and stuff. So I've got it. I've got it, uh, but it wasn't as good as Dalek, which I had near the Doctor and Sons, and it wasn't as good as Solarian. So I've got so, it number twenty uh twenty nine, I guess, yeah. Uh, right what's below the Dalek. fifth um What's the fifth? So, Doctor Who and the Solarians, Ambassador to Death, and Spearhead from Space. You have all kind of ranked together, and then Inferno's up up near the top. Yeah. What's the? Is there a fifth one that season? Or, or no, that... no, it's just the four because it was three seven parters and a four parter. So that's so half this a year. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a pretty yeah. That's a pretty solid season. We have the one you know in the top was in the top. It's my top five, I think, and then yeah. but way up at the top, and then these others are solidly like you know. Um, in the top half of things so you can see i'm sure the other seasons are much more all, all over the map although maybe some yeah. of the fourth doctor seasons are, are yeah season 12 um, is probably going to be up there pretty strong but yeah the, the rest are all over the map um but uh yeah uh, this is yeah generally considered one of the stronger seasons uh, should we see where it fits on the old complication oh yeah sorry let me plug in the old supercomputer install windows 95 here i'm gonna just give me a second to do that and then i i imagine <laughs> one of them's gonna end up near 30 because we've ranked them both yeah i would hope so um, like if it, if it ends up at 60 it's going to be confusing. <laughs> Waters of Mars, Mars oh, yeah. is ranked 27. Yeah. It's tied with uh, Partners, Partners in Crime. In crime. Oh, there you go. Ranked 27. And then Ambassadors of Death tied uh, for 32 with Girl in the Fireplace. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. A lot of people would disagree with that. but uh, Because well, they, they, they don't because have a podcast. I, I, I think you know, the Girl in the Fireplace is, is seen as pretty good, pretty solid. Um, I don't get why people – I don't – and you know what? I think why people like it is because that one scene where the horse jumps through the painting and he's on a horse. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, big deal. He rides a horse. I, I, I think know. people just think more women should be burned alive in fireplace. <laughs> Fair enough. That's my thought. <laughs> well, look, if you uh, disagree with John, please go <laughs> to mindprobe.show. Yeah, you let's can... see if we can drive a little little viewership here, for a little male, folks. <laughs> you but if you don't, to... your silence is a scent. So <laughs> you, can, you can bear the responsibility for that. You can go to mindprobe.show. You can see our rankings. You can filter our rankings by me and John or the combined ranking. Uh, you can... You can actually filter them by doctor or season. You can do that. Um, you do insane. all these things. All things are possible in my <laughs> show. You can also see our watch order if you want to watch mm-hmm. along with us. We're we're headed to. We're going to watch the f- final. Dear God, act, the final finale of yeah, David the Tennant. Final David Tennant. The, David Tennant got like seven finales. Yeah, he um, is. He is is milking it. So he, we're going to watch that next. Um, and uh, you can watch along with us. You can watch ahead into the future. There's some talk that we might change. Now, well, actually, we're going to decide once and for all on this episode. Are we going to watch the two-parter and the War on Time the together on one episode or split into two? Yeah. So, folks, clear your calendars. <laughs> Just, you, you don't wanna, if you're going to keep up with this, block off some time. Uh, because we've got the end of time, which is about... Over two hours, I think, uh, by the time all is said and, and done. Uh, uh, a two-parter uh, that does wrap up your old David Tennant ears. Uh, so that's two hours right there. Then we're going to do uh, another um, uh, exciting, and the link will become clear if you watch. If you haven't watched it, I won't spoil it. Uh, but uh, the second Doctor finale 
uh, the War Games, which is ten episodes and five hours long. So block off a good seven hours to finish up to to watch these. Now, I mean, you know, some of us we can rattle off seven hours of Doctor Who in our sleep, uh, but other people have to budget around families and friends and stuff. Yeah. Fortunately, that's not a problem here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, uh, but yes, yeah, so it's it's exciting. But yes, block off some time. The War Games is a is 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 a lengthy one, but a popular one. So what I'm going to say is, in terms of recording the episode. We're going to record that episode. Yeah, we're doing it all in big one when at doing. one time. Yeah. If it's super long, I'll split it into two. Yeah. Episodes, or, or you know, we'll see what we do. It, War games is is good, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna be. There's there's some fat that could be trimmed. <laughs> so it's gonna be uh, no. an ambassador's death. I know, right? It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. Uh, well, listen. If you want yeah. to reach out to us, you can email us John at mindprobe.show or yeah. Porter at mindprobe.show. You have can you, hit me up. Have on- you exited Twitter yet? You haven't. You've been threatening. No, it's still around. I've been checking it a lot, lot less. Okay. Um, so okay. every I do, I do check into it. So if, mm-hmm. and also I post my mm-hmm. comics on there. So I do log on to Twitter to to post my my oh, Rooney yeah. the Rabbit comics. You can I enjoy some I enjoy some of them comments uh, comics there. Um, yeah. uh, you can uh, see those comics at Rooney Comics, RooneyComics dot com. Uh, or if you, you can go know to patreon.com slash Porter Mason and support me there. Um, if you know Paul, you can uh, you can uh, uh, ask him for my phone number and WhatsApp me. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, uh, Paul. Uh, oh, yeah, Paul sent me a note. He watched Soul Train, um, which we discussed last How episode. How did he watch Soul Train? Oh, you know, on the YouTube. YouTube. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and said I uh, had never quite seen anything like that. So good on good on <laughs> Paul True. there. Uh, uh, and he is very excited about uh, Russell T. Davies uh, uh, coming um, uh, coming back. Um, I, I did read an interesting. I did read a really interesting piece uh, where somebody suggested that Russell T. Davies was actually ahead of his time, and that he tried to create all these spinoffs back in the day. Uh, he basically tried to do the Marvel Universe, but the world right. wasn't ready. But no. now they're ready, and he's back to try it again. Uh, oh, so, yeah, interesting. That's an interesting idea, right? Um, yeah. yeah, although that was my least favorite thing. I mean, I liked <laughs> some of the spinoffs that he had, but I really didn't like the kind of event that he tried to pull them all back yeah. together at the end. I wanted to mention a, a Paul uh, note that uh, he said that the Midnight, the episode Midnight, was hmm. so scary him the first time around that this was the only time that he's rewatched it and he was it was much less scary for him this time around um well you and i you and i uh you and i diminish things by our our very speaking of them (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's i don't know i don't know if it's a compliment or not but take that take that to do yeah well Uh, so if you'd like us to mention your name on the podcast there's space reach out yeah <laughs> to contact us. we mainly just talk about paul and yeah, we, this we really paul is nice and all it's but, meant yeah. to be the kind of fan uh a uh, feedback section but it's really just the paul feedback section right. and look right. by the way it's not just going to take you got to reach out to us but paul does it paul reaches out a good bit so you're going to really have to do a lot to, to and to break through <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think like early on i would get in now because now if you just contact us we'll talk about you on the show pretty soon we'll be like well but are they really giving us good content like paul and then you know we'll just drop you right Um, right but right now if you reach out we'll just mention all right well look here's to a very very long episode (laughs) in a few weeks (laughs) here's to that and here's here's to the future here's to the future indeed so happy birthday thank you thank you and uh, and hello to uh my uh mike and i's new doctor who meetup group we met for the first time uh, this past weekend. 
This is a new Doctor Who fan, and I look forward to you not listening to our podcast. And you'll appreciate this. Uh, Paul, the, the real Paul, the original Paul, <laughs> the yeah. real Paul, <laughs> the real one, Paul. <laughs> uh, we met him uh, through a, a meetup, a Doctor Who meetup, when we were in Amsterdam. And now our Doctor Who meetup in America also has a Paul who is British and is called the Doctor Who. So you got to have a Paul. Go find your Paul. Now, is this is still, you're book. calling it a meetup. Is this still meetup.com? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, it is a great way to uh, find people interested in sort of niche things, I think, or serial killers. Uh, so far, okay. only people interested in Doctor Who, but, you know, we're waiting well, for that first yeah, serial killer to come around. <laughs> usually don't find that out until just before it's too late. Right. Yeah. And so it's hard to put in, you know, this is, I've given feedback to Meetup. I should, you should have attended, uh, didn't attend, uh, or serial killer, a sort of feedback, uh, in, you know, in, in seeing by the way, they, people by that. Is it, did they find that Zodiac killer there? They, uh, uh, some people claim they have, but the law enforcement's like, nah, 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 we didn't find it. So we'll okay. see. We'll see. So, still out there. So, Zodiac Killer, if you're listening, you, you keep going, buddy. Keep, go get him. <laughs> you're still going. You're still talking about the Zodiac Killer and sort of as in an homage to Norm McDonald's. Like, that's that Zodiac Killer there. <laughs> you hear about that? Still out there? Uh, he sends codes to people, <laughs> and then, you know, they got to figure them out. You're, you're Seinfelding. You're kind of Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> Mind Probe Nutshow. Hey.